0: before we get started dead and married would like to thank those very close to our dead black hearts our patrons
1: thank you to William Rush Karima Rhodes my best friend and fellow Tom Atkins lover Gary Horton Carissa
0: Jonathan says thank you
1: Dr sexy himself Kent Morton oh yeah Kate lamp Travis's cowgirl Lala Thomas hey girl and last but certainly not least our friends over at the podmortem podcast you can also check out their very own show every Monday on all major platforms
0: And now, on with the show. Warning. The following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show.
1: Hello, welcome to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host Ashley,
0: and I'm Travis.
1: And today we are talking about the Frank Calfoon Calfoon film.
0: Yeah, that's what we're going to go with. <laughs> from
1: 2007 called P P4 P4. You must have called it P4 a hundred times. Every like, time
0: we talked about it, like I called we were it ta- P4.
1: We were talking about where to stream this, and I was saying that I don't we don't own it because I've never had to. I've, I've always been able to find it. To You're really stream. about to do this, and Travis was like, "What is it again?" I'm like, P2. And he's like, okay, P4. No, honey, P2. He goes to do the search up in 2 P4. There's nothing coming up. I said, well, of course there isn't because it's called P2. <laughs> like I've told you two times already. It's P4. <laughs>
0: First murder happens on level P4 in this film. So <laughs> that's that's what it should be called.
1: So this is another one that is a holiday staple for me. For it, you. It's usually for me and London. This is kind of our mother-daughter film, which is kind of weird. fucked up. Yeah. But we love it. We watch it every year. Uh, we have it right up there with Elf and the Santa Claus. So it, it's, it's a whole thing. We quote it. Um, but we're going to hold true to the motto of the show or the theme of the show or the stick of the show. Whatever you prefer. and that's that i love it and travis tolerates it sort of i sort
0: of of tolerate it really what happens is you put it on an eye somewhere else
1: yeah and i don't understand it because i have a nap i'm i'm going to go on record right now and say that i don't think that this film gets the love that it deserves i wish that it was brought up in more conversations in horror films particularly holiday horror films
0: this i don't think it's a horror movie i think it's more like a thriller or maybe a psychological horror maybe
1: did you see what he did to the guy in the parking garage it's
0: it, one thing that's one and his one thing.
1: demise at the end of the film and the dog and like, do dog i need was, to go the on? dog
0: was just some blood oh my I'm god i'm just saying
1: like if you don't like it fair but don't shit on it because not. it's not a technically bad movie we have seen far we, far worse we, than we, this. we
0: just we just reviewed some <laughs> <laughs> worse than this technically yeah. speaking so I'm take off saying, your monocle
1: don't be a snob. you know what
0: i don't I'm gonna have to put up this from you <laughs> hey i don't work here and if i did <laughs> Um, i just i don't know this movie just doesn't do it for me and I, you pointed out that you have to worry about things that I don't have to worry about yeah and I in was, this situation I was
1: trying not to go there I know
0: but this is not a situation that i would necessarily be worried about happening to me yeah so
1: i mean it's not like female stalkers are not unheard of there's plenty of female stalker films out there but I could understand in a situation where you're like this is not scary to me because as a man you don't have to worry about a guy kidnapping you and assaulting you and
0: no not really all of
1: that. So you could just pretty well kick his ass and go on about your day. <laughs>
0: go get breakfast
1: Whereas i am not so lucky in that it, especially my job right now where i work overnight i'm going in and out of a parking lot by myself every night provided it's not a parking garage but it is a fairly large parking lot and i cross it in the dark every night and every morning so
0: hey now though i i go weird places in the dark too i'm just saying not parking garages though
1: and again you can fight off your assailant much easier than uh, I,
0: I don't know if i could <laughs> i don't know if i could in some of the places i go i did the shittiest thing to one of the guys that works with me he was helping me and uh, it was kind of late of course it gets dark really early now and i only had two stops left so i took the kegs and i gave him everything else and i was okay like, hey, go to this place driver i'm back you're fine and as we're getting ready to split up and go i was like hey listen you are going to this neighborhood in the dark so go fast see so at the warehouse and i got i got the Dude, truck and drove off she.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be fair though he probably he needed to go fast there
1: <laughs> that's mean so i would have looked at you like fuck you you get it
0: yeah i usually do yeah it was his turn <laughs>
1: So why don't you briefly run us over the synopsis of this film? All
0: right, you ready? Yes. A businesswoman is pursued by a psychopath after being locked in a parking garage on Christmas Eve. Yeah,
1: that's, that's, that's it. That's it.
0: That's the whole that's, that's, that's the fair. whole movie. <laughs> yeah it's an hour and 38 minutes of that
1: oh here we go
0: you know okay we've talked about this though is that like end game is three hours long but it doesn't feel like three hours maybe it does now because you've watched it 200 times but you know initially like when we watched it in the theater we were like what it's over already
1: yeah but i've heard you say in conversation before when we've talked about how long a film is and you'll say well how long is it and i say it's you know it's a standard 90 minutes and you're like what that's long and i'm like no a standard film yeah. is 90 minutes long. i know it's-
0: and i like i really like rrr and it's what three days four days long
1: like how did you it's a long ass movie how long did you think a typical film lasted
0: i I have no idea (laughs) i've never really put any thought into it i just know that it takes me like six months to watch dances with wolves (laughs) so i don't know that i've ever seen the whole thing actually
1: because oh, in any one God. of those, it's three
0: or four days long. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying that there are some movies that are long, but there's enough going on on screen. You're engaged with the story. doesn't feel like it lasts that long. This one does for me.
1: Well, you seemed like you were pretty engaged with it. You were talking to me throughout about what was going on. And typically, if you're not engaged in a film, you won't even bother. So it had to have had okay. your attention. So
0: here's the, here's the thing, though. It was the, what I was talking to you about was, why the fuck is she doing that? Why? i <laughs> Why is he, what is going on? Like it wasn't, I was kind of picking at it.
1: You were, but I have this thing and I'm guilty of it too. I'm just as bad. If I'm not interested in a film to begin with going in, I'm, I think that sometimes we set ourselves up to not like a movie, whether or not it's good or bad, but just having no interest going in can pretty much alter your opinion. Okay.
0: Well, let me just say this then. It is, it's not a bad movie. It's just not a, for me movie. How about that?
1: I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's watch it first and really study a film before you're just like, oh, no, you know, I do it too. Because you'll be like, hey, we should cover rare exports. And I went, oh, no.
0: You've never even seen rare exports. I
1: saw bits and pieces of it enough to know that it wasn't my thing.
0: But you've never seen it.
1: I saw bits and pieces and enough to know oh it my wasn't gosh. my thing.
0: <laughs> That's hardly enough to make a fair assessment.
1: I don't know. Some, some foreign films I'm good with. Other foreign films, I'm like, no.
0: I think if you gave it a chance, you might like it.
1: Maybe. Sometimes it takes a fresh watch to change your mind on something. Because
0: I don't think you wanted to watch Old Boy the first time around either.
1: Mm, I don't think that's completely accurate. I think that that was one that I was excited for just because I'd seen it pop up on so many lists and other people were talking about it. So I don't think that one applies, (laughs) but maybe I'll give it another shot at some point.
0: Well, I know there were some foreign films that I've watched that I kind of got into those. Uh, I like it because they have a lot of times they have a different take on things. They come at stuff from a different angle than your normal American point of view about stuff. So even things like holidays, but at any rate, I guess to move on to the one we're talking about now, because it is not a foreign film. Um, I think you already said it's 2007. So it stars Rachel Nichols, which you said you had seen her in several things before, but I don't recognize her really from anything else. And Wes Bentley, but I've seen him in a lot of things. Um, He usually always plays a sort of an offbeat Character that seems to be kind of his thing.
1: Well, Rachel Nichols, I know. I think I, the first thing I ever saw her in was the remake of the Amityville Horror. She was a babysitter that got locked in the closet. And then I know her from like, oh gosh, it's not coming to mind right now. I've seen her a bunch of shit, like Sex and the City. I think she was in one of the GI Joe movies, Hercules. Um, just different, different bits and pieces. But I, this was the first movie I actually to be sound like a horrible person for just a second. This was the first movie I actually liked. Her in because she was always, I don't know, feels like she's kind of had that Megan Fox thing where she was just kind of delegated to being eye candy in films. So I was happy and refreshed to see that she was playing a character this time that you could root for and get behind. So a sympathetic character. And I thought that she was great in this, um very convincing. And I think for having a film that's just two characters basically taking on the brunt of the film they were they were worked very well off of each other um and wes bentley i absolutely love he's like starting with american beauty all the way into things like american horror story um he's always in and of course i watch yellowstone also he's always been somebody that like you said is op- playing offbeat characters and stuff and he does that so well and i he's an actor that i feel is criminally underrated for what he does
0: well i We'll say that in this one he did a great job of being creepy.
1: He made my skin crawl in this movie. Um, I guess that's another thing, is one of the reasons, and, and you're right, it's not scary necessarily in that way. We're not nobody's talking Halloween here or anything, but in terms of him just reducing you to the skeeves in his performance, this is a very stress-inducing film for me. It doesn't matter how many times I watch it, it still makes me tense every every single time like i remember actually getting sick to my stomach the first time i saw this film so i i don't know <laughs> like it, it's highly stressful and even london said the same thing that this movie has no fucking chill whatsoever even in its moments where there's not necessarily something going on it's still very tense and very suspenseful i feel like yeah
0: so the story i guess really it's it's pretty simple right uh angela played by rachel nichols is working late at a an office all that doesn't ever say what she really does does it
1: no not that i know of
0: but uh, we just
1: know she's in a building park avenue in new york
0: right but she's working late she's trying to leave there's some other people there so the whole cast for this movie is like 12 people but you really only the rest of them they're not on the screen much at all um there's a guy i think it was was mr harper right no was it carl carl uh played by philip aiken who comes in to apologize to her because he had no
1: carl's carl's security
0: okay okay um yeah so it is mr harper right
1: i guess so i don't recall them saying did they not name him
0: anyway this guy that i guess got drunk at the christmas party and tried to hit on her hit on her in in a very gross way in an aggressive kind of way Um, And we'll find out later that probably not the first time he's done that to a woman in that building, but he comes in, he's upset he apologizes. She's like, yeah, whatever, move on and tries to leave only to find out that she's locked in. Well, her car won't start. Then everybody's gone and she's locked in. And that's, I mean, that's the rest of the movie takes place in this parking garage, more or less.
1: Yeah. So she's, she's on her way to a family gathering and apparently she's running late. Everybody's waiting on her to get there and she's carrying A small department store with her throughout her office building, like a teddy bear and a Santa suit and bags full of gifts. And we don't really get to know much of her character up front. She she seems almost like the standard tropey businesswoman type thing, where she's kind of cold and very I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. She's just very stoic. She doesn't seem like she has much of a personality. I mean, at the risk of sounding bad, she there's nothing that stands out about her.
0: She's very much uh, seems career driven.
1: Yes until she is in this situation where she's locked in the building. So she goes to the parking garage manager and is like, hey, I need to be let out. I'm locked in. And he, you kind of start to get creepy vibes from him from Jump. Because he's like, well, hey, let me take a look at your car and let's tr- let's have a look at the battery. And nothing, of course, is working, which we, as an audience, we pretty well already got the idea that something's afoot. And she's understandably frustrated because, like I said, she's running behind and... <laughs> there's a lot of, I, I was going to try to keep this as lean as possible, but there's some defi- definite themes of sexual politics in this film and misogyny and a woman's place and how women are expected to act and the way men treat them. And I feel like it's done subtly enough in some places and in other places, it gets pretty heavy handed. Um And maybe, I don't know, maybe <laughs> it's sounded bad. Maybe that's why this film resonates with me a little bit because there are a lot of conversations about how women are expected to act throughout. And she has, like I said, she's presented herself as being this very career driven um, uppity woman. And then she ends up in a casual conversation with the building security officer saying, hey, no, I'm from Maine and I grew up on a farm and basically don't judge a book by its cover. There's more to me than meets the eye. I said, it's very quick. And it's kind of seems like it's throwaway until you kind of see throughout just how resourceful she is and just how tough she is and unwilling to put up with the shit that she goes through. Um and I thought that that was great about her character is that she's not one of those final girls that is absolutely incapable of doing anything where you're constantly going, "Oh my god, why did you do that?" I know I know you just said that you asked that a lot, but me as uh watching the film, I did not ask those questions because I feel like in a lot of the situations she behaves exactly like most women would behave, but she does make smarter choices throughout like when The car doesn't start Her first instinct is, okay, I'm going to call a cab. I'm not hanging out here. That's the right call. And the guy, Thomas, he automatically goes for, hey, well, you're here and I'm here. We should have dinner together. And understandably, she looks at him like, no, you're a freak. I'm going to leave now because that's just the strangest thing. This is not, I feel like if it could be taken the other way where this could absolutely be set up to be a romantic comedy. Whereas, oh, I'm stranded. And because of this thing, we're, we're thrown together in this situation. and We're going to fall in love from it. And it just absolutely takes a drastic turn in the other direction.
0: Well, I, don't, I think the first thing I didn't understand with this is why was she? Why did she have all that shit up there in her office? Like you said, she's carrying around a whole department store. Like Why did she even have that with her?
1: Seems like she would have kept it in her car, maybe. Right.
0: Why was it? Seems like she would have taken that down and put it in the car or left it in the car. I don't know. I mean, that doesn't have any bearing on the rest of the story. It just was unusual to me at the very beginning that she. it looks like she just went shopping um yeah, I think I don't know that Wes Bentley came off as an immediate creeper in the very beginning, but he definitely comes off as just kind of a weird guy. Yeah, like from the very beginning, you're like, yeah, okay, this guy's a little strange. And then he's like, "Well, I made a little Christmas dinner for myself. If you want to join me," <laughs> like, and the the building manager, or the security guy, Carl, had just told her the building's gonna be locked down for three days. Right. And so, understandably, she's like, "No, I get people expecting. Man, that's that's yeah, I get it. That was a weird offer. I don't even." You know you'd have to be weird to even say that to somebody <laughs> just
1: well london and i were having the discussion during the movie namely because london had seen halloween ends a couple of times but only in the last week or so did she decide that she's absolutely obsessed <laughs> with the character of Corey. um and I was telling her, you know, it's funny. Um, some people I've, I've seen in different comment, uh, in different forums saying, okay, why is it that an, uh, a really attractive guy can say something like that to you and you're completely fine with it, but a slightly less attractive guy or ugly guy can say it and all of a sudden it's creepy. And I was like, yeah, that's absolutely true in most cases, not all. I feel like, I mean, because Wes Bentley is obviously an attractive actor, but even so if you have a guy that you've never met before and you're both alone in this building you don't know him from adam and he is all of a sudden like hey do you want to have dinner with me i would be creeped out doesn't matter what he looks like
0: yeah i mean it was a strange offer the thing i didn't understand there is why she didn't just immediately say all right just open the gate let me out i'll call the cab from the sidewalk right um but she didn't so which i mean right after that he grabs her anyway yeah. right um and so there was that and then when, when we get there and he's dressed her, right? She wakes up and he has put her in a dress, changed her clothes completely mm-hmm. and got her handcuffed to a chair. And he's got kind of a Rottweiler down there with him. And that's, that's something I just didn't understand about the movie period. Is it, how, did, how did the people who run this building allow him to have a guard dog in the parking garage?
1: I don't know. <laughs> or did he
0: just like smuggle that dog down there? Cause it's an aggressive dog.
1: Yes. Yes. And I don't.
0: And <laughs> I like just,
1: doggies. I'm I do big too, fan of but doggies. not that one. Yeah.
0: I just don't understand that. At all,
1: yeah. And the other thing was, is I couldn't understand because she called the cab and then she tried to explain. You know, I'm locked in or whatever, and the cab just drove off anyway. It seems like any decent person would have been like, okay, do you need some assistance? Do I need to call the cops? Do I need to, you know, something? Follow up with her. I feel like any normal person with a conscience would do that. But instead, the guy's like, "Fuck you! I got other people to pick up." Well, the crazy
0: thing is, the cabby was sitting in the car watching her locked in the building. Yeah, like he could see that she was not able to get out so yeah you would think that a norm like a reasonable person would be like okay well let me just call somebody and say hey i'm a cab driver and i came to pick up this person but they're locked in the building and they can't get out
1: right right but no, nah, he
0: was just like nah fuck this noise i'm out
1: unfortunately it takes a fire in order to get anybody's attention see
0: she should have just set the building on fire right there right arson was the answer <laughs>
1: But she comes to and yes, her clothes are changed and she's obviously feeling the effects of chloroform or whatever he used to knock her out. She's uh, She gets sick immediately and gets up because she's, she's wanting to know what the fuck's going on. When she gets up to investigate, she realizes that she is t- chained to the chair that she is sitting in. So double whammy kind of right there. I'm not wearing the clothes that I was in and I am chained to my chair. What the actual fuck? And... And one of the things that just baffles me, and, and again, it's just a, attributed to his performance, is that the entire time Thomas doesn't act like he understands, like he doesn't have the mental grasp that what he is doing is completely wrong. He's completely unfazed by her reaction in the situation. It's just, it's just a Tuesday. I'm gonna make you dinner, and I'm, ha- and I'm, oh yeah, I've kidnapped you.
0: There was something kind of Norman Bates about him i think
1: in what way i
0: don't know just that like he didn't understand that what he was doing was not right like you were saying everything's just normal maybe i haven't seen that movie enough i don't know. maybe i'm thinking about the tv show that you watch i
1: can understand i guess draw the comparison that he seems like he's a good boy i don't know maybe, maybe? i haven't seen
0: psycho enough <laughs> but i think what i'm thinking about is the freddie highmore version where it, i don't uh, maybe it's i don't same. know he just he was weird, but I don't understand why she didn't try to like leverage that against him. There, it's like maybe do a little reverse psychology. But she tried to argue with the guy, and like you find out immediately that she, you can't because he's not reasonable.
1: No, he has an argument or an excuse or defense for every single thing that she throws at him. And on top of everything else, he has this white knight complex. He thinks that he's going to save her from the stuff she's been dealing with in her life when she. she. She didn't ask him to do that. She never came across to me as somebody who was weak or incapable. Like when the guy hit on her in the elevator, she didn't, and he came to apologize. She didn't make a scene. She didn't threaten to turn him in. She didn't. Um, do anything to retaliate. She was just like, look, it happened. Let's move on from it. She held her own just fine, you know, and now I would disagree with that. I would say she should have absolutely have turned him in for his behavior. Um, But unfortunately, you still have people even today that are in that mindset of it happens, you need to move on. Um, And unfortunately, that's the case in this film where she's at one point calls him a, the guy that hit on her a good man. And I'm like, that's a bit of a stretch there. (laughs) But no, once she comes to and she's figured out that she's being held captive, he starts to treat it like it's just any other getting to know you dinner date. He starts asking her about her interests and where she's from and if she's seeing anybody and about her family. And um, she obviously does not care to go into a conversation with him about it. And he continues to press her until she tells him, hey, you know, my boyfriend's going to be really worried about me. And we start seeing that Thomas is not stupid either. He has obviously been studying her, following her, learning about her for some time to know that she's lying about having a boyfriend. So he continues to ask a bunch of invasive personal questions that are none of his business. And when she says it's none of your business, then he gets offended by that. (laughs) So I don't know. Just that whole thing about him just really had me upset, I guess. Um, but...
0: I feel like at that point, he was or up until that point where he started asking questions really about the boyfriend, he was kind of coming across as well, like you were saying, like he's he thinks he's a good guy, right? Until you get to the end of that conversation and there's the reveal that he knows she doesn't have a boyfriend. He knows everything about her. Like he's been stalking her. He knows who her family is. He knows where she lives. And that does kind of take it to a different level because we're not dealing with He
1: knows her work schedule.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean he's the parking garage guy. He knows when they would come and go too, but...
1: That's still though, that's... But
0: the fact that he memorized it is weird. Um, And so that kind of takes the creep factor for him to a different level because you're not dealing with a mindless predator anymore. You're dealing with a smart one Yes, uh, that's done his homework. So again, I think Wes Bentley does the creepy thing really well. And you see sort of a I don't want to call it really a descent into madness for him throughout the course of this film because he never goes crazy. It's just more of the crazy that he already has comes to the surface as the film moves along.
1: Right. So then at this point he tells her that she's going to call her Family, let them know that she's not coming to their get together or whatever. And she calls them to let them know. And this part really upset me because she has her mom understands. And yes, she is lying for her own safety, albeit to say, Hey, I'm not feeling well, I'm not coming. And the mom, like you would expect any mom to do, is like, I understand, you know, get some rest, it's no big deal. But her bitch of a sister. is like you need to start putting your family ahead of work and I've been I've been there before where it's like you need to think about others except for yourself but without knowing the proper context and just jumping to a conclusion you know they although I will say that they allude to the fact that is this is something she has done more than once so I don't know that I guess maybe that could have been fleshed out a little bit more to try to understand why her sister would jump to a conclusion like that, that she She's just blowing them off on purpose.
0: I don't understand why she didn't like, I need help. Like, here's the deal. I get it that he, she did that to kind of help protect herself, right? Well, and to he keep had his hands around her. her throat. He did, but she had to know he was going to hurt her anyway. Do you know what I mean? But I at don't least. Know. I
1: think in his mind, he thought they were going to. No, I'm talking together. about
0: her. She knew that he was going to hurt her at some point anyway, because when you wake up chained to a chair like that, she had to know she wasn't going to get out of it for free. So why not just yell for help? While her family's on the phone. Right. I mean, you're going to get hurt either way.
1: I think she thought maybe she would be killed instead of hurt is my logic. Oh, maybe. Uh, I mean, that's where my mind would go to. But she does end up managing to grab a fork from their dinner and stab him in the back. And then he tells her he's got a Christmas present for her. And he takes her and puts her in his his car. And they drive to another level of parking garage. P4. P4. And there is sitting the guy who hit on her in the elevator bound and tied to a chair. Um, And she's understandably freaked out and she is trying desperately to make sure that nothing happens to this guy Um, because yes, he did something atrocious but it's hardly worth a death sentence over. Um, and, well, he, he
0: tries to get her to go beat him with a flashlight.
1: Right. And meanwhile, while she's trying to reason with him, she keeps saying his name repeatedly over and over, either Tom or Thomas, to the point where it starts to really piss him off. And I couldn't understand that necessarily. He said something like, I understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to humanize yourself, but I don't think that's what she was doing. I think she was trying to humanize him, maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe. But it did piss him off.
1: Yeah, and she kept he kept screaming at her, stop saying my name, stop saying my name. Like he he you get these they're not they're very brief, but you do get these glimpses of him where maybe he's having a little anxiety over what he's doing. Like later there's a scene where the cops show up and he has this fuck moment. Like there seems to be a couple of instances where maybe the gravity of what he's doing does set in, if only briefly. But he wants her to beat the guy with the flashlight and she tells him, no, she doesn't want to do that. And so he's like, ugh. Of course, of course, you want me to do this for you. And acts like, oh yeah, that's what's expected of me. I have to protect you. So he gets back in the car and proceeds to run this guy over repeatedly with his car. And this is an old car. So they're not carbon fiber. They're metal and heavy. And he runs the guy into the wall repeatedly until he's, well, at first he's just disemboweled. But then when you see the aftermath of everything, his whole fucking rib cage is hanging outside of his chest. It's I remember the first time watching that scene and and just feeling like sick, that, I guess. That
0: dude just like exploded or something against that wall.
1: Yeah, and the special effects there were done extremely well because Again, I think this is why I find the movie scary is because it feels so real. Um, because I have been in situations like that where this thing is happening to you that's out of your control and there's nothing you can do to stop it because it's a guy, you know? And so it, the whole thing just felt very real and, and induced a lot of panic in me, I guess. <laughs> but she does end up, I think, at this point, managing, managing. <laughs> can't talk managed to get out of his clutches um, and because they do a lot of cat and mouse throughout where she'll get away but then he apprehends her again and we start seeing through various times like like he presented her with the evidence or, or video surveillance footage of the guy hitting on her in the elevator and then later she sees footage of him basically he's
0: groping her groping her. while she's unconscious yeah
1: and I think that there was more to it but the tape cut before she had it or she destroyed the video before she had a chance to see it go any further um so we we don't actually know how far that went but it was obviously bad enough but he keeps putting her through these kind of torturous situations almost like there's there's one part where she manages to steal his key card off of him and gets holds herself up holds herself up in an elevator only for him to take a fire hose and flood it and this is the dead of winter obviously and it's it's got to be freezing in there so she's cold she's wet and um she ends up finding carl's body in there so we know that he killed the security guard and that's why he wasn't around when she needed him. And then at one point, she tries to call the police. She gets to the very edge of the parking garage and like this, I don't know what kind of door you'd call that. Looks like a grate. Um, And she has found that if she hangs her phone outside that door, she can get just enough signal. So she attempts to call the police, but ends up dropping her phone. Um, And when she goes to reach for it, (laughs) she breaks her fingernail off on the concrete, which I have lost fingernail before and makes me cringe every time
0: but he shows up there too and he's got the dog and then there, there's kind of a protracted chasing like it's a long
1: mm-hmm. i
0: mean it, she goes and she's like trying to scream for help out of this grate, and there's a homeless woman walking by and she's the homeless lady starts mocking her yeah so she's down there in the basement help help somebody's trying to kill me and the old lady is walking and by on the street
1: somebody's trying, <laughs> trying to kill yeah. me yeah that's one of the lines that me and London quote all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I don't. It's know, not funny, but it is.
0: And I don't know what she thought that screaming up into the street was going to do. It's New York.
1: I think she was desperate
0: in the middle of the night in Park Avenue or whatever. I don't. How many people would really be walking around well, down there?
1: That's one of the things that I find strange. Is that I don't. I mean, obviously, I'm not from New York. I've never been to New York, even. But I have a hard time believing with all the media and films that I've seen that there's any point in new york where the city completely shuts the fuck down yeah i don't know i'm sorry i've seen sex in the city enough to know that it usually seems i mean what do they call it the, the town that the city that never sleeps yeah, yeah. like because there's always something going on all the time
0: right i just I, I don't know i mean for somebody to hear that at all even and then do something about it i don't know maybe i'm wrong but because i've been to new york and i but we weren't out that late so i don't know how many people are on park avenue at whatever time in the wee hours of the morning that this was happening but i don't know just seemed like a strange choice and she's just drawing attention to herself because she's down there being loud in a parking garage where sound echoes so
1: i think i would be screaming my entire ass off Yeah, maybe (laughs) like the whole time i would be screaming you would have to hope that eventually somebody walking by or something somebody would hear you
0: but he's got that dog with him too yeah and i don't know I, again with the dog why did he have a dog but so they kind of chase each other around and, and finally he sicks the dog on her like because the cops come
1: oh yeah 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 the cops they do come show in up and,
0: and drive around and well he, he acts like oh everything's fine here guys and they believe him
1: she takes out the cameras with the axe because he's doing his old his whole elvis music number and so completely engaged or enthralled with himself um That he doesn't notice her smashing all of the cameras with the axe. And when she gets in and sees... This this is where she sees the assault video after he finishes his musical number. And he sneaks up behind her and tases her in the back. And we don't see it. But at some point, he locked her up in a trunk of the car or in a car when the cops show up. So the cops naturally, as they should, are like, Okay, we know what you're telling us, but we want to see for ourselves. Make sure everything is okay. So they're driving through. And in order to drown out any screams that might be happening, Thomas turns on Christmas music so that the cops will not hear anything, which I don't know why the cops would agree to that necessarily. It seems like they would have said, can you please turn down the music so we can hear if anything is going on? But they don't.
0: Meanwhile, well, the cops just leave after Mm -hmm. that. And she manages to find a toolkit inside the trunk of this car and push the lockout with the tire really tool. Work? I don't know if that's a thing that you could do. Yeah. I mean, it seems like she would have had better luck just pulling the release handle that's in the trunk of every car that has a trunk. There's a handle in there to open it in case you have get stuck. Have they always
1: had that or is that more of a recent development? I don't know. I've never been locked in the trunk. I don't know.
0: Like last 20 years or so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a thing that cars have, especially modern cars. Well, I'm cars. just saying
1: maybe it's an... I, I didn't pay attention to see if it's an older car she was locked in. I
0: think she was locked in. In the trunk of her own bmw
1: okay all right wasn't sure. german
0: engineering means there's a release handle <laughs> in the trunk of that car anyway yeah. But I don't know if you could push the lock cylinder out of a trunk lid with a tire iron. Yeah. <laughs> but at least now she's got a weapon.
1: Right. Because it is, like you said, at this point, he sticks his, do- his dog on her. Right. And I had to tell Isabel because for some reason she decided she needed to stay in the living room while we were watching this film. And she is a, not just an animal lover, but she is a hardcore dog lover. And I told her, you're probably not going to want to watch this part of the film. And then I had to have a talk with her about, you know, not every single doggy is a good doggy, especially in film. Sometimes, you know, it's between you having to defend yourself and just letting vicious packs of wild dogs go to town on you um, so I think she, she understood and she got it. And as a result, she was not as upset as I expected her to yeah.
0: be. <laughs> I don't know if this was the result of a bad doggo so much as a bad owner. Yes. Yeah. Cause he clearly had trained this dog to do that because it was the dog wasn't that way with Topper, him.
1: Chopper, sick balls.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah. yeah, the, the chase is still on. Right up until the point where he finds that she's killed his dog.
1: Well, she she escapes to the backseat of one of the cars and the dog lunges in at her and chomps right down on her calf. And so she uses the tire iron to bludgeon and stab the dog. And she thinks that the dog's dead, and then it lunges at her one more time, and she just fucking like fishes in that dog like digs in it until it's effectively dead. And then this is just another example of Thomas not really having a great Grasp on reality because his first thing is, why would you do that? Why would you hurt a defenseless animal?
0: Why would you kill my dog?
1: It's like defenseless animal. Like so, I, I don't know. That was my thing throughout watching this movie. Is like, I please explain to me how his brain works because I'm not understanding.
0: <laughs> I don't understand how he had a job as a security guy any to begin with or a parking attendant. Like the guys. His brain is just like all over the place. How did he ever make it through a job interview? I like don't who know. interviewed this guy and said that's our boy? As
1: I said, we don't we don't get enough time with the stories of these characters because for all we know he could have been normal when he got the job and she I mean not that I'm blaming her, but somehow his obsession with her caused him to snap.
0: Her sexiness made him crazy.
1: I mean, <laughs> but then uh, she ends up trying, like, she gets back to the parking garage where I guess they do car rentals and stuff, and she ends up finding a car that she can escape in, and so then it comes down to they're playing a game of chicken with each other, and at this point, this is where, if you haven't already figured out that the girl's got some moxie, this is the point, because she's had fucking enough, and she manages to win the game of chicken, but unfortunately ends up rolling her car in the process.
0: But she parked it perfectly, just like Ace Ventura. Like a gl- like glove
1: and he goes over to check on her and she's looks like she's been knocked out knocked unconscious and when he goes over to her she does the big fake out and stabs him right in the fucking eye and it oh what was
0: that too like a nail file i don't know
1: it's another scene though that just ah oh my gosh eye stuff (laughs) so then she ends up handcuffing him to the car and he is back to i just wanted to get to know you i just wanted to be friends i just wanted to spend christmas together why won't you talk to me why won't you be my friend and
0: well he starts off all nice and then he goes charles lee ray cuz by the, the end of that conversation he's screaming like you fucking bitch you stupid whore
1: like, well yeah well yeah. He, he gives b- before that he gives another moment of talking about being lonely that he's always alone and this is something that he kind of says throughout the film that i'm always i'm always by my fucking self i'm always alone and i feel like i don't i don't know if it was in the writing or something where somebody was trying to force us to feel some sympathy for him and i just didn't Mm-mm. like nope. you you have a moment there it's like the is this <laughs> butterfly fly meme comes to mind, where you're going, am I supposed to feel bad for him because he's lonely and he, but I'm going, dude, at any point, like a normal person, when she was in the parking garage or doing whatever, you could have just introduced yourself and maybe asked her out on a date eventually. You didn't have to go this fucking hard, this fucking fast.
0: He didn't have to begin with kidnapping? No. He could have started with, (laughs) hey, would you like to get some coffee sometime or something? Anything else? Anything other than kidnapping probably right. would have been a better first step.
1: And if she says, No, you move the fuck on about Then your you move
0: on with the kidnapping. <laughs> no.
1: But maybe this isn't the girl for you, bro. Like I know you're like smitten with her or whatever, but it's just the level of obsession here just fucking blew my mind.
0: And it's not like she was the only person in the building either. It's a huge parking garage. It's a huge building. There are a lot of people that work there. She was not the only person he could have talked to. He's in there all the time. He saw lots of people, I'm sure. So it didn't make sense.
1: Like everybody, all of you listeners, us two in this room, everybody has had a crush on somebody at some point in their lives. Some of us have felt unrequited love for others, like, and it can hurt in a profound way, like hurt you to your bones, but eventually you move on with your life. You don't go all fucking homicidal about it.
0: You mean you didn't go with kidnapping?
1: No, I did not go with kidnapping. I'm far too small to actually kidnap anyone. So, hmm. just because you're chained to the chair right now, that d- doesn't mean anything. Yeah, all
0: right, <laughs> loosen these handcuffs. up
1: <laughs> But as uh as he's saying this, I'm always alone. I'm always alone. She's at a point where she's like, "Fuck you! I don't give a shit. I don't feel bad. Nothing." And she's just gonna leave him there until he performs the cardinal sin, the one thing that you should never say to a woman. I realize I've already said it once in this episode, but he calls her a stupid fucking cunt, which took me back to the ending of Hostel 2 where she's just gonna leave the guy in the, or she's just sitting there trying to broker the deal with um, the hunting squad or whatever you fucking call them until he says you stupid fucking cunt, in which case then she cuts off his dick and feeds it to a dog. So, like, I was sitting there and I'm like, has he never seen hostile to before because you never call a woman a cunt
0: like you just don't i didn't he was pissed right i understand he was pissed and as soon as those words left his mouth i was like dude you almost survived this movie you were this close to living all the way to the end of the movie
1: one eye but living and
0: now you're not but at some point I think it was right like right after she handcuffs him he dropped his taser yes and she had grabbed his taser so now he's going to call a woman a cunt after she's handcuffed him to a car she's got a tire iron and a taser and that's really poor judgment on his part
1: yeah because there's gasoline leaking from the car and I don't know if this is a thing that can really happen either but gasoline makes a trail to her feet and then she takes the taser and puts it over or lays it on on the
0: she tases the gasoline yes I'm pretty yeah. sure that would work.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I I wasn't sure. I well, don't there's know a reason anything that, about tasers. Well, I mean,
0: no, there's signs at every gas pump that say discharge static electricity before you pump your gas cuz it can ignite vapors or whatever. I, I I think it would probably work.
1: Yeah. And then again, his reaction like as soon as he starts screaming, as soon as the, like his reaction to the fire headed toward him and then being set on fire, his screams, it was another part that just felt way too realistic for me. Um, for one thing, like if <laughs> it freaks me out when men cry or scream. And it's not that they can't. I'm not one of those people that are like, well, a real man wouldn't cry. Cry all the fuck you want. But it's still uncomfortable for me, for me to see and hear because I'm not used to it. Um, most of the men I've been around in my life, uh, present company included, have been raised in that thing where men are not really allowed to behave in such a way. So, goddamn, it, it it makes me cringe every single time to hear him screaming. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is. Not cringe in a bad way, but just it, it makes me feel awful to have to sit and listen. To it, it
0: sounded like he was really on fire. Yes, he yes. did. He did good. Well, I mean, I'm sure that was ADR because they didn't really set Wes Bentley on fire. They right. set a stuntman on fire. So, whoever did the screaming for that, they did a good job. Kudos I'm, I'm kudos sure to you. You did good screaming.
1: <laughs> and then she proceeds to walk off to fire trucks and ambulances, finally showing the fuck up. And all she had to do is set a, a fire to do it.
0: See, that's what she should have done. In the very beginning, as soon as she realized the doors were locked, just set the place on fire.
1: Oh, uh, So... A lot of the the runtime from this movie is due to just back and forth chase scenes and a lot of his really fucked up dialogue um, with her back and forth. But I'm um, and I'm not trying to oversimplify because it's it's way more complicated than that. Um, well, in my opinion, it is. So there's just so much of that. Like I said, that the movie makes me really uncomfortable. It makes me tense, but I still fucking love it at the same time. Like I said, it's, it's one that I watch every Christmas. I can't watch it all year. <laughs> can't do it. And maybe that's why it still continues to make me tense is because I only watch it once a year.
0: Yeah, I don't... Again, I feel like both actors, actor, actor and actress, I feel like their performances were really good. Um, it's a good story. I mean, it makes sense. The story itself makes sense. There's not like weird continuity errors or anything like that. I mean, it's, it, it all, it's, it's tight, <laughs> like a tiger. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I don't know. Maybe it's because in a lot of the other horror movies that we've done, especially the ones that I liked, like I can put myself in the protagonist's situation, mm-hmm. right? You can imagine yourself being on the, on, in their shoes. And I'm not really scared of Wes Bentley chasing me around a parking garage. I might chase him around a parking garage, <laughs> but you know what I mean? And maybe that's the reason the movie just doesn't do it for me. It's not that it's a bad movie. If you haven't seen it, you should totally watch it. But, yeah, it's just not – it just didn't do it for me. Maybe it's not enough blood and guts. And that's your fault if that's the case.
1: Mm, Okay. I've desensitized you. You've
0: got me watching all kinds of crazy shit. And now, like, if there's not seven, eight gallons of blood in the movie, I don't know. It's not really that good.
1: Well, like, I, I, I understand if it's not something you can relate to, but as awful as what I'm about to suggest sounds, if you're putting one of our daughters in that situation, that would- See, now
0: be- I get scared thinking about that.
1: Yes. Oh, oh, but it's fine for me to to walk across Park no, I didn't. <laughs> oh. I see. He's ready for Wes Bentley to come snatch me up already. I don't know, maybe. He's, he's getting too old for this <laughs> shit. <laughs>
0: But no. Um, I know we normally talk about score, but this movie doesn't really have one. It, it
1: doesn't. It's it's your pretty standard generic horror film score, or suspense it, score. As
0: far as special effects go, there weren't a ton. The fingernail break was done as well as a fingernail break can be done. The serial crusher kill in the basement, that one was that's good. That's
1: pretty fucking gnarly.
0: That was pretty good, but that's really it as far as effects go. I feel like the eye, when she stabbed him in the eye, and, you, know, you get the, the shot of him and he's supposed to have just been stabbed in the eye and pulled whatever that was out, Mm -hmm. you could tell that they just... Stuck some silly putty over his eye.
1: Oh, I'm sure it wasn't silly putty.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, was it great? That part wasn't great, but it. What, this is not that kind of movie where they're going to get Tom Savini to come in there and do, like, some weird shit either, so um, how did you feel about the effect? I feel like what few effects were in there were, were good. They were they were good enough.
1: I thought they were really good. Like I said, the the parking garage kill was, was pretty bad. Like, that one kind of fucked me all the way up, and you're talking to somebody who has seen Cannibal Holocaust, for instance, and <laughs> For some reason, this one gets me. And and like I said, I think that's attributed to, and, and I talked about this way, way in the beginning of the series with Tales from the Hood. Like I said, when there's something that's rooted in reality, it makes it much more scary to me as opposed to something like Terrifier 2, where the kills are so fucking over the top that you can't possibly take it seriously. But in a case like this, it just felt too realistic. And that's what I find terrifying about it.
0: Okay. So what do you love? And what do you hate about this movie? Um.
1: What I love, I think both of the performances were really, really brilliant. They, I don't think that anybody um, overdid it, um, went over the top. I feel like they both reacted to situations the way you would react in a situation. Um, I think that Wes Bentley gave a very manic performance, which I really, really appreciated. He, he was just brilliant. And Rachel Nichols, same thing. She acted her whole ass off. And there were certain scenes where I felt like she was really being tortured by somebody. Like it, it was just, they They both did such an amazing job performing in this film. Um, I think that it was written very well. There are, it's not perfect by any stretch of the means. Like I said, I feel like I wish that their characters had been fleshed out just a little bit more. We'd gotten a little bit more backstory on him, but this is something that's, it's a simple story at the end of the day. It's very simple. It's very precise and maybe it's scarier that we don't know what set Thomas off specifically. Um, but as I said, I feel like there's a lot of themes of sexual politics in there because he talk. he went on this whole thing about her being a slut and I never understood where he got that impression from her because she got hit on and she didn't ask for it. But he kept saying, she's not a slut. She's not a slut. And it's like, what on earth would give you that Im- the impression that she was? She never acted that way. Well,
0: he wasn't calling her a slut. He was telling the guy that hit on her, she's not a slut.
1: Yeah, but he kept acting like he was defending her because he brought up the fact that he was reading The Sun Also Rises by Hemingway and talking about that he lo- the character loved that girl so much that he was willing to forgive all of her transgressions. Even, yeah, even
0: infidelity. <laughs>
1: alluding to
0: like she had been unfaithful she, to yeah, him
1: like she had put him through something and i didn't understand that yeah, I don't know. So
0: clearly he had a whole life going on in his head that no one else was a part of.
1: Right. And again, acting like it was his job to step up and protect her. He was saying, telling the guy, you know, what makes you think you have you have the right to put your hands on her and all this stuff? And it's like, dude, you know that you were just groping her like 10 minutes ago, right? You were undressing her. You were just that whole thing that he's so out of touch with reality. Just, I don't know. It's so. I love that about it. I just wish we could have gotten a little bit more, uh, some more insight onto maybe why he is the way that he is. You know, we didn't get any of his backstory at all. We got a little bit of hers. Still would like to have gotten a little bit more from her, like maybe why she's a little bit tougher. Like for instance, you're thinking about something like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, where Jessica Biel has alluded to the fact that she kind of had a rough upbringing and that's why she's a little bit more resourceful and tough and had brothers she she gave enough that you kind of went oh okay okay I can see why she would be this way but all we got from um her character in this film was that she grew up on a farm in Maine so it's not really enough to go hey okay this chick is pretty tough so I would have liked a little bit more of that but as far as everything else I thought it was it was really well done especially with just two people carrying the film I the only other movie I can think of where people really have done that and it been so effective with saw you know where you just put two people in a room and you're getting the whole story through their dialogue
0: you're talking about the first one right uh yeah okay well because when you said saw i was thinking like eh, those those movies have got way more than two people in them and then i remember that the first one is two guys in a bathroom yes sounds like the beginning of a bad joke <laughs> but anyway
1: so what about you
0: uh what did i love or hate i don't know that i loved anything in particular about it um I like performances from both Wes Bentley and Rachel Nichols. I feel like they both did a good job. I already talked about the story. I feel like it was, it was pretty tight. Um, I like the fact that she fought back Mm -hmm. because the very first time I watched this movie, I honestly expected her to just run away until the police show up because that's what you typically would get in a film. Is it like her survival story is just that she managed to not get caught until someone showed up and that's not what they did. No. And so I appreciate that, that she fought back. She wasn't just a victim, right? Mm -hmm. Um, um, I feel like she could have fought back harder and she could have fought back sooner. You know what I mean? But that's kind of some of the stuff. Like, why are you doing that? Like, just, go just fucking eye out in the beginning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Grab his deck and twist it. Yes.
0: Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, And and the whole, like, not saying I need help while the people were on the phone. Like, he's going to hurt you anyway. Like, he's something bad is going to happen to you no matter what. So just fuck, get it over with. You know what I mean?
1: Well, again, I think just no, fight no, i don't want to die well i get happened.
0: that but i mean
1: because i think she thought since his hands were around her throat if she were to scream he would have just killed her on the well, spot he
0: might have but he was gonna he probably was gonna do that anyway i don't it's just not i have a hard time with that part of it because it, it would not be in me just to do that you know what i mean like it, it there's it, we're gonna fight <laughs> like from the beginning mm-hmm. i'm not just gonna stand here and wait for you to do whatever it is that you're gonna do we're gonna fight right now mm-hmm. um and you know i, I so that's I have a hard time putting myself in that headspace, of not fighting back from the beginning to get out of that situation. Um, I don't There's nothing I really hate about it. Um, I feel like some of the characters were unnecessary and so the, some of the extra stuff that like you were talking the about.
1: couple that were fighting in the elevator at the beginning. There's no
0: reason for that. And mm-hmm. and I agree. They could have given us a little bit more backstory on her and him, maybe. just And it would have taken much, just a little bit of exposition to help us explain why he's so fucked up. and Maybe,
1: maybe cut in a, a few scenes where he's watching her. Right. You know?
0: Right. Or...
1: The first time he sees her, you know, develops an infatuation. Something. Yeah,
0: something. Or, you know, she gets to her car and there's like climbing equipment in the back. And you go, okay, so she's not just an office lady. Mm -hmm. Something. Give us something. And because every other character that was in this movie was just there for no reason, really. Like even Carl, I guess he was the security guy. Mm -hmm. His sole purpose in this movie was to uh, tell us that the building was going to be locked down for three days. Right. And then to be a dead body in a flooded elevator, that was his only contribution to the film. We could have gotten the whole, the building's going to be closed for three days somewhere else. You know what I mean? That could have been part of an exchange between him and her when he's like, why don't you stay? And she could have been like, no, the building's going to be locked down for three days and move on. You know what I mean? We didn't have to introduce a character and spend time with them for that information. They could have been giving us backstory or information about our two primary cast members in place of that.
1: Kind of makes you wonder though, now that you've kind of brought it up, makes you wonder if if when he first broached the subject of I made a dinner for myself, do you want to join me? If she had said yes, would any of this have happened to her at all? Would he have then, after they got done with dinner, let her go? Now, yes, he probably would have thought they were going steady after one dinner, but you know, would that whole series of events have ensued if she would have agreed to in the first place? Not that she should have. I'm not saying that in any kind of a way, guys.
0: I think so. I think it would have happened either way because he already had the chloroform, or wherever it is that he used to knock her out and he already had the dress true she was gonna sit at that table whether she wanted to or not
1: that's that's very now
0: whether or not she put the dress on voluntarily and got groped in the process who knows um but no i think it i think it was gonna happen one way or the other but i think that's it for me like i said this movie just doesn't just doesn't do it for me kind of like what uh spoil some of the movies i've made you watch just didn't do it for you either (laughs) yeah so
1: it's been known to happen (laughs) yeah so final thoughts, I guess the moral of the story for me, because I, I did bring it up at one point when I, when she's talking to her mom and her mom's uh, like, hey, well, you were fine 10 minutes ago. What changed? Well, actually it was her sister that told her that. But if that had been me on the phone with my mom and something seemed wrong, my mom wouldn't have just said, okay, get to feeling better, sweetie, especially if she lived in the same town as I did. My mom lives three hours away from me and she still would have investigated that. She would have still... Still said, hey, can this person go check on her or whatever? Um, If my mom was living in the same town as I was, you best believe she would have been driving up to my work and finding out what the hell was going on. That's just how how it rolls. So um, I guess the moral of the story for me is check it out. Like, don't just let somebody hang like that. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And no means no.
0: Yeah. The family family just like wrote her off immediately, which I, I don't know. She told him she was sick, but it wasn't even convincing. I don't feel well kind of conversation. No, she sounded
1: like she was crying.
0: Yeah. Well, and mom even said, well, you sound terrible. Yeah. But I mean, you you know, I don't know. You know what your kids sound like. Yes. Right? And you can tell when something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Mom should have been, te- has surely mom has known that person, Angela, when she was sick Knows what she sounds like when she's sick mm-hmm. and what she sounds like when she's upset. Mom should be able to tell the difference. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I can. Like my mom can.
0: That phone conversation. Mom should have been like, mm, no, something else is wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. At least followed up with with somebody. Right. You know. It just yeah. That that just rubbed me the wrong way. That I I guess that they just. And at no point through up. the whole
0: night did they call like, try to call her cell phone and find out that she couldn't answer it, or call her house or apartment or whatever and find out that she's not actually there.
1: Right. And be like,
0: okay, wait a minute, something's wrong.
1: Yeah, exactly. She's
0: sick. She's not answering her cell phone. She's not at home. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They just they were just like, all right, fuck you, bye. Yeah. <laughs> no.
1: And if she wasn't if you were calling home where she told you she was and she didn't answer, call the cops and say, Hey, I think something's going on. My daughter right. might be in trouble.
0: Yeah, as for a welfare check, and when they get there and like there's nobody home, now you know something's wrong. Right. I don't know. They just let it go though. Yeah. They're like, You're not our favorite kid anyway. So
1: <laughs> But I still love this film. I said, watch it every year, make it a point to watch it every year. I, I love it and I absolutely recommend it. So if you haven't seen it, it's actually free on Tubi right now if you have the Tubi app. Um y- Yes, you have to deal with some commercials, but it's not that big a deal to me. Um Just reminds me of TV when I was a kid. So yes, I would say absolutely check it out. It's it's a nice little kind of sleepy Christmas horror film and it definitely puts you in the Christmas mood too on top of everything else. So definitely check it out.
0: Well, I don't really feel the same way about this movie. (laughs) But uh, you should watch it anyway, if you've never watched it, because you might feel the same way about it I do, where it's like, "Eh, I could, you know, and and take it or leave it. I can leave it. But uh, you might like it as much as Ashley does. Who knows?
1: So on that note, we are going to wrap this puppy up. But next week, we will be coming back to discuss gremlins.
0: So this is going to be one of the very... shit, this might be the first movie that we're going to cover that I remember watching this as a kid. So yeah.
1: And I know somebody out there is going, is Gremlins a horror film? Yes.
0: Well, Okay. It was when I was like six or whatever. It's not to me now, but
1: <laughs> I would still say yes, it absolutely qualifies and was supposed to be a lot worse. And we'll get into all of that next week. But until then, take care guys.
0: Bye. What would you do to save the life of a teenage boy? If you subscribe to our Patreon for just $3 to $10 a month, you can get Aiden out of the industrial-sized hamster wheel we use to power our show. For that, you'll get access to bonus content and allow me to remove Aiden's handcuffs. He doesn't run worth a shit with them on anyway. Also, be sure to show your support on our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter as TravisL80 and SpookyMom83. Thank you for your consideration.